And it's Friday. You've made it to the end of the week here on the Airport Minute, where we're discussing the greatest disaster movie ever made. I am one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm host number two, Mark Cerulli of CovertOps.tv. And once again, finishing out the week, we're here with Paul Sullivan. And I am the host of the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast, which does a brand new baseball cup podcast 365 days a year. And we're approaching on the 24th of October will be my fourth anniversary of doing a podcast every single day. That is fantastic. I, congratulations. I yeah. hope uh, my wife get even divorce me. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it, it, it's really amazing. And uh, I hope everybody checks it out. We'll have a link on, on this, today's episode uh, at the bottom of the page at uh, airportminute.com. Uh, so you can hear all of Sully's podcasts. You can, you've, you've got four years of catching up to do if you haven't been there. This has been a really good week, and actually, we're ending the first hour of the of airport. This is a minute sixty. Wow. We continue to do just the last little minutes of uh, pre-boarding, and uh, one of the pre-boarders to be or trying to be is Ada Quonset, Helen Hayes, who is hiding in a phone booth directly across from gate thirty-three, and uh, she's doing the best she can to avoid being noticed, but yet get on the flight from the same airline that she just escaped from. We get a nice little POV shot uh, from her at a uh, Helen Hayes uh, butt's eye view of, of uh, Gate 33 as uh, none other than Marcus Rathbone, uh, the man that's going to be in 23D, uh, who's been, he, he's the same guy that had problems on the bus saying that he didn't like paying for, uh, why did he have to pay to get a bus to go to the airport? Uh, so he's just having an increasingly difficult time, apparently wanting a better seat, but he's way, way in the back of uh, in the back of tourists. Actually, he's going to be sitting about two rows in front of uh, Helen Hayes's row. So he's very annoyed. So apparently is uh, Ada. She's uh, really getting mad about when she can pull her scam. Well, uh, she has to wait for the right time, you know. She's, that's, yeah. why she's, that's why she's so good. She knows, like, all right, things got to. It, it's kind of like a Venn diagram of things have to happen, and and that's one of the things that was great in that scene with Lancaster a few, you know, several minutes ago, which is that she outlined to not just Lancaster but to the audience that no, she's not a bitty old woman. She is a skilled con artist who has plans, who has organization, and knows, and 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 pray like like a lion sort of preys on the weakness. So it's okay, where is the weakness? And the weakness was Peter Coakley, and now it will the weakness be, you know, the 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 two dudes at the uh, at the counter there. You know, this, that's what that's you know you yeah, sort and, of see the you see the wheels turning that it's not just. Oh, everything falls into place. Like sometimes she has to wait. And, and the sheer chutzpah of the whole thing with, I mean, she's looking across at Tanya Livingston, who's the lady that took her pencil away from her and her boarding pass. She hasn't so, forgiven that. She wants that. No, pencil. so n- now she wants payback, and she's she's sitting there in the phone booth, and from the objective view that we're getting from her, she's watching Tanya go back toward the uh, tourist jetway. Yeah, and she's um, she's the enemy. She looks at her yeah. as like okay. You know, yes, she wants to she wants to be a stowaway and stick it to the airline, but she wants to stick it to her. Like you're you know, you you just wrote me off and and took away my two pieces of my utility belt, and I'm gonna show you that and and in a way that you sent me you sent this dope, this 
mm. the blondie surfer boy thinking he could contain me that in a way that was a slap in the face to her like going you thought this guy could control me i'm going to show you and it's going to be your job and it's, and it, and that that element of her is why she's such a great character and she also i mean i think she knows that the last person that Tanya would expect to see coming up on that jetway is her. So she's not even looking for her. It's it's off her radar completely. Tanya is assuming that uh, Peter Coakley's patiently sitting with uh, uh, with Ada out in the in the terminal lounge. But uh, you know this this is the ideal time to strike because they're not expecting it at all. Uh, uh, still watching. Uh, 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 Judy Barton walking down that jetway and just seeing another view of that magnificent uh, stage uh, build up there. You can see Transglobal if you're up around uh, minutes, uh, a second 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, the entire outline of the uh, the Transglobal 707 set in the background there, plus the big the cyclorama behind it to give it some depth of the rest of Lincoln International with the lights in the background. It's just staggering when you think about the set design of how, you know, the enormous depth that's there. We get away from uh, Gate 33 and get back to uh, Van Heflin, who is marching over to that nice pre-1971 U.S. uh, mailbox. Uh, Yeah, I was going to say the world's cleanest mailbox. (laughs) Yes, and it's the old old red and blue days of... uh, uh, Packages, anything, dump them right in here. We won't check. (laughs) It's okay. And uh, interesting... There's yet another miniskirt with uh, boots at that second number 18. There's yet another serviceman going away, and he's saying goodbye to his blonde sweetheart with the uh, with the boots in the background there. Oh, yeah, look at that. Hard to that. believe it's January in Chicago. That doesn't look like something you'd wear out to the airport, but you never know. Those boots were made for walking. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's what they'll do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, unfortunately, what's imprinted on me in this whole thing is I am now assuming that everybody carrying an attaché case has a bomb, and there just seems to be a lot of them running around on that long uh, that long walkway in the background as Van Heflin is uh, is marching off to uh, mail off his uh, package to Mrs. Guerrero. And how many times do you think a PA had to write out that envelope with the address before the director approved it? I don't like the way you you dotted that I over there. Let's, uh, do yeah, another that was, one. You know, it's a shame it, to lose Dio Guerrero when he has just that perfect handwriting. It's, I mean, that's the Palmer method right there. It's all carefully lined out. 1970, and he's not using the zip code. Yeah, so that's kind of that's kind of odd. And actually, hold on, let me go back. Did it? How did they? Was it was Illinois uh, I L? Yeah, oh, no, no, they spelled, spelled it out. out. Yeah, and the Illinois in the Great Lakes Fidelity up in the corner is I L L. Right. I remember being a kid and having a roll of those uh, FDR uh, six cent stamps. It was <laughs> that was every and they they had the FDR stamp and then they replaced it with the Eisenhower stamp when he uh, he died uh, late in '69, I believe. So that was about the end of the FDR stamps. They swapped them out later. And as we had determined on a previous episode, that 627 East 51st Street is a park. 
It's specifically, it's a tennis court on Washington Park in Chicago. So apparently they leveled that Jacob Reese uh, tenement building that the Guerreros were living in and built a nice uh, place to practice here beforehand. You know, and I, I'm, I, he drops the thing in the mailbox. He looks at it's long enough to see that. Now, I wonder if that was, that shot was in Chicago. I wonder if that wasn't shot like months later in New York. Oh, the, the insert. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the insert. They probably needed to explain... Maybe, maybe they were looking at it originally, and he runs over and puts the envelope in. But they needed to explain this is what he's mailing out. Oh, it's an it's an insurance policy. Yeah, and that's and an, and that's that's the real airport there, right? Where the, where he yeah. runs up there, and that that yeah. looks really great. And he... yeah. doesn't that remind you of LAX a little? You know that long white tunnel that they have. They'd have the people movers though on either side. Yeah. yeah. And they even had it back then, if you remember the opening of the Graduate that uh, yeah Dustin off on the people mover and there's no uh but yeah it is a pretty long corridor imagine how hard those heaters had to work in the winter <laughs> those those floor heaters of heating what 300 feet of uh above ground oh jeez. and and somehow keep the snow off the roof too that must have been incredible so we're back in what looks like a 1940s taxi cab yeah still confused as to where inez got the money for the taxi and why inez looks like maureen stapleton yeah right What's that about? <laughs> nothing. By, by the way, by the way, n- nothing against Maureen Stapleton is a great, great, great actress. Oscar winner, uh, deservedly so. She got a nomination for this movie, and she's wonderful in this film. When I say that, that is not a slam against her. That's her. She's playing Ginez Guerrero, and right. she. Yeah, I mean, couldn't couldn't they made a Joan Guerrero? Joan O'Reilly, I would believe. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would yeah. buy. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I guess that, you know, the intellectual property was set and they couldn't change anything. Or maybe Arthur Haley had uh, overrides on it. Yeah. It's, uh, and she seems to be being driven by Chuck Connors. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> well, this is an all-star at, uh, cast here. That's a... Yeah, it is. You know, put the pencil behind his head. God, He's another one of those... Yeah, this is his only line in the movie. And I keep thinking, you know, four years at Juilliard, all the tap yeah. lessons. Yeah. And... <laughs> it, it, the terminal's just up ahead, lady. Yeah. It's, this and the guy that yells snow desk, uh, or Mr. Petroni snow desk, you know, th- those were their moments in the sun. Hey, Brad Pitt had to start somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <they're... laughs> I always wonder, like, what, what, did, what was she expecting him to do? Like, could you please hurry? I, I'm driving in the <laughs> snow, in traffic. <laughs> like, you see those red lights? Those are cars in yeah. front of us. It's Bill dangerous Murray to drive fast. Differently. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Bunny would have gotten him to drive up over the curb. That's that's the way it was. Every little bit helps. Why does he have a pencil behind his ear? How many notes is he going to be taking on this taxi ride? Well, he's a, he's a writer. Book. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, maybe he had to. Maybe he fills out stuff in the 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 receipt. I mean, this is remember this is <laughs> like insurance this... documents. Yeah. <laughs> you want some taxi insurance <laughs> in pencil? <laughs> I can make that any number you want. This is just one of those m- puzzling, you know, it's it's one of those things you're not supposed to think about, but it just, it's well, very when you puzzling. you frame by frame, you're going to think about it. Yeah. The nice coat he's got on. I do like his coat. I don't, I don't know if it, Edith. Uh, oh, that's an Edith head coat right there. Yeah. The nice uh, fringe on the back. And I wonder if he got to keep the... it, you know, hey, you're going to fade into <laughs> anonymity, but here you can have this coat. Yeah. This lovely coat. Doesn't, doesn't fit anybody else or. Yeah, good job on the. I'm I'm assuming that's a that's a rear projection. You know, there's guys rocking that cab. Yeah, and and spraying. You know, they've got the the sawdust blower with the. Uh, you know, they've, they've got a like a, a a leaf blower blowing all that snow around on the you know on the front part of it. They've got ivory snow 
spilled all over the windshield. <laughs> Illusion of reality looks pretty good there. Yeah, it's not bad. I've seen. I believe me. I've seen a lot worse. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, all you have to do is stay tuned for the uh, airport sequels. There's a lot worse. Right. So we are back with uh, back at gate 33. Gene and Lloyd coming out of the coming out of the jetway. Mm-hmm. One additional look at that massive set. Dio is Dio is about to check in. So he's you know getting handed his boarding pass. And meanwhile, all the uh, the bling bling noises, the disturbing. Uh oh, he's got on board. He's got his thing. And Tanya didn't even notice. And, him. and look at that guy handing Guerrero his boarding pass. I mean, you know, a picture perfect 1960s type guy. Not a uh, hair out of place. No, it's all it's all slick. For some reason, they're. I don't understand why she's looking at the manifest. There's nobody. Nobody's out of place yet. Helen Hayes hasn't knocked off the count. She's just like looking at it and going, "Okay, okay." And then in the background, there's uh, uh, somebody has that somewhere. That artwork with the TGA. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I want, want that, that point. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Big time. Well, we'll break it in half. You'll take one yeah. wing. I'll take the other. <laughs> you have a person of color in the film right there on the left. Yeah, that, yeah. That, yeah. Which yeah. is uh, well, you see later the the African American doctor on the plane. What? And you also have one African American uh, stewardess. Yeah. That, that, uh, it's. Is it Ethel? What's her a, name again? What's her name? Uh, Joy, Joyce. 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 Ethel. Uh, Joyce, we're leaving. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I'm sure you mentioned this already, but uh, the whole uh, Jean Seberg that she was she was dead like nine years after this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a spiral. Absolutely. Yeah. You, know, in, you know, initiated beautiful, by the FBI. Beautiful and, woman. She uh, brilliant too. I mean, mm-hmm. she really she knew how to handle her career. I mean, everything from uh, you know where, where she started with the French films and then onto onto Hollywood, but not taking any of it. She really went where she wanted to go, and it's just a, a tragic end. She she really does a great part in this and plays it very seriously. And the unfortunate thing is that she and Burt Lancaster didn't get along. Um, that's uh, but you never see it in the movie because she does. She and Burt both act professionally, even though he couldn't stand her. Uh, perfectionist attitude. She wanted to take, you know, do take after take, and Bert just wanted to go, you know, cut print it. It's uh, it's great seeing her in just average scenes. She doesn't have to. She can come across as um, a professional without having to be, you know, any any kind of any kind of flaws here. She seems like a, you know, very capable person. And you know, for for the time, being a woman in a managerial position that's a rarity seeing you know seeing her in this telling the other guys what to do it's you know it's it's a start it's a great a great start in this movie yeah it's it's just really uh a tragedy seeing her here because you, you want to yell at her yeah <laughs> say hey don't let it get you down yeah and she there was a lot going on with her in terms of like um it was like fbi investigating her and 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 it was it she this her life would make an interesting movie, I think, just because. Yeah, yeah, she was very involved with the anti-war movement, and this, you know, 1970, we're at the peak, really. Um, so, uh, you know, and there must have been a lot of pressure on the different studios not to hire her or, or cut her out of roles, and the fact that she pops up on the biggest tentpole picture of Universal for 1970 is pretty amazing. Uh, I I looked up I was looking up some stuff and there was um there was talking about how Seberg was going to be was um the choice by Truffaut to be the star of Day for Night uh, one of the wow. stars of Day for Night and he couldn't get a hold of her so she went he wound up casting Jacqueline Bisset instead mm. so it was as if I'm picturing Francois like get the women from the airport 
You can't get Maureen her. Stapleton available. Then find the other woman from airport. And then, you know, eventually, you know, if she turned it down, who played Bunny in airport? The, the bunny, the, the, the insurance woman. Get her. And they turn day for night. Which is a great, oh, which yeah. was, which is a day, day for night. It's a great, great movie. And just think about how close she was to being in like two classic films of the 70s right there. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's astonishing. And she could be, you know, if you look at her, you think you could swap her out with, say, Tippi Hedren. But she's really her own person in this. I don't think the other ice blondes of the time could handle the role that she did. This, this role has a great range yeah. where she has a she has a great sense of frustration that I don't think you know, the other Hitchcock blondes of the time carried it as well. She could play a very melodramatic role without overselling it unless right. unless she was told to like the first time she met Helen Hayes that was that that's really a bad a bad moment in this film but other than that she's playing a semi semi soap operaish role uh as as a straight drama and i think that helps that helps the movie along better you it makes her more believable yeah so she finds a reality in it i think that that's what that's what makes it work yeah so uh we just watched Dio was being a background character. Tanya was really this was the big miss that she didn't she didn't see him get on board. She wouldn't notice him, but he is an unnoticeable character. Only somebody like uh Harry Standish would notice how weird he's acting. But she's not she's not geared for that. That that'll be coming up uh, next week in the next minute. But it's just one of those other missed opportunities that the soundtrack keeps reminding us of where you keep hearing the those little uh, uh vibraphone sounds. Boy, I would watch a movie where it was Harry Standish trying to trying to track down Ada Quonset. That those two get those two two older well, actors and like just like I've seen everything. Uh, you haven't seen me, so yeah, I think that that would be uh, that would be something worth watching. Or he gets passed over for promotion one more time, or he gets you know screwed out of his pension, and he decides to go into business with Ada. And the two of them, he's working the, com- the, the custom side of it, and she's working the smuggling side. Oh, they, they could they could empty out. The air, the airline would be bankrupt in three, two, one. Now, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the the further adventures of all these people would be just incredible. There's so many, so many. It would be like an Avengers movie, just spin off every character that's in it. We have to leave them all here at the moment with, uh, with all this stuff going on. There's, we are just about to get into many, many more missed opportunities. But uh, Dio is on board. Uh, Judy Barton's on board, and so is. Um, Marcus Rathbone and his uh, urging to get Any some connection uh... to Basil Rathbone. I mean, that was obvious. <laughs> I had to go there. I don't know how did uh, how did Basil feel about stale nuts? <laughs> but well... <laughs> <laughs> he probably didn't like them. Yeah, I don't think uh, he's not wasn't a fan. I don't think he would make as much of a stink, but still, right? He'd be too uh, well mannered to do that. Well, uh, I still want one of those uh, TGA uh, double-breasted suits. That uh, someday I'll have it in the front hallway. But uh, yeah, we have to leave gate 33 here for uh, for this week. We'll see who else boards. Don't forget about uh, Helen Hayes sitting across in the phone booth. She still hasn't been. Uh, so, she hasn't made her move yet. Not yet, but it's she only will. A matter of time. Yeah. Well, well, Sully, thank you so much for being on this week. It's been a, a pleasure and an honor to have you here. Oh, it's Absolutely. been a blast. I've had I've had I've had fun. Well, we'll, we'll have to have you on in uh, in future episodes when things are even more drastic. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But, I'm, you know, I'm all for it. I'm all in, especially. Uh, you know, once things start get going on that plane, just let me know. Just let me know. Wow. Well, in the meantime, everybody can join you over at uh, SullyBaseball.com and listen to your daily podcast. Again, happy anniversary. Thank you. Uh, next, next week. 
and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll still be on the air with you. <laughs> but, uh, again, if you'd like to, uh, if you'd like to express some comments about this minute or any other of the previous hours worth of minutes, join us on uh, social media. You can pick us up on Twitter, Airport Minute. You can find us on Facebook, Airport Minute. Visit our gigantic website, airportminute.com. Uh, you can also get this podcast delivered to you Monday through Friday. If you sign up at iTunes, uh, look for Airport Minute, and please leave a good review for us if you like this show. Please watch the movie if you get a chance. We have a little click-on button that you can order one of these copies, either digitally or the old-fashioned Blu-ray, from Amazon. It's on every one of the episode pages, so go in there and watch the movie. It's been an hour. It's time to watch the movie. We will pick this up again next week with uh, all new guest hosts and things. don't know what's going to happen next, but it's not going to be good for the folks that are getting on Global Flight 2. Uh, So thanks again for joining us, and until next week, good day. Bye, America. All right. Nice going, sweetheart. Remind me to send a thank you note to Mr. Bowling.